What's up, guys? Uh, welcome back to Angel 25 Reviews. Uh, always, always glad to have you here. Uh, today we're talking about one of my personal favorites, the uh, the new season of Stranger Things, uh, specifically Stranger Things Season 4. Um, it uh, premiered early May, looks like May 27th, uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, with seven episodes. And then the last two episodes uh, just premiered last weekend on July 1st, 2022. And uh, it's it's pretty it's, it's pretty crazy this season, uh, and I uh, have a regular guest with me, uh, Miss uh, Catherine Burrell. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm good, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, Katie is uh, is re is real smart, and we're uh, we're gonna talk about <laughs> Stranger Things. Uh, first of all, um, I Katie, I'm curious, like, what is how, how do I want to phrase it? What's your like background with? 80s movies like how do you feel about et and like 80s slasher movies and that you know there do you have a do you have a spot in there for uh good old good old 80s cinema oh yeah of course i do but i just it makes me laugh that you started off with et because it's actually quite a funny i think it's funny now but i I say yes, but I feel like when I say this, you're going to say, no, you can't say that because I've actually never seen E.T. all the way through. And that's because I had all my cousins were older than me growing some, uh, up some when we would hang out. Unrelated kind of funny note. We had another guest, uh, Wesley, who's been on the show once before, uh, and his favorite movie is E.T., which is why I, uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he he fell through last minute uh, and he would, he would be very disappointed <laughs> to hear you say that. I know. And I feel like whenever it comes up, because, you know, I talk films all the time, like it's what I do. And people are just like, really? But when I, I must have seen it at a very, very young age because it scared the living daylights out of me. E.T. <laughs> and I feel like when I say that, people are like, really? But from like a four-year-old's, a five, four or five-year-old's perspective, and I just remember being really freaked out by like the government agents looking for I mean, them, the like being the, in quarantine. The and not like, scary at all. All the the creepy the creepy government guys in suits and like hazmat. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all. Terrifying. Yeah, all of that was really scary. And I just remember like the scenes, like when they're like quarantined or whatever in isolation, which now are very relevant terms, but like <laughs> to a five-year-old and you know. 1999 2000 like that would have that was really scary <laughs> to me and i just have to i remember like the one scene of like the boy and et like looking super sick and it just scared me it scared me but yes i i do have a nice sweet spot for um for 80s cinema in my heart for sure for sure i mean it was a revolutionary era of filmmaking that's the era of the blockbuster yeah, the we I would say like the first like blockbuster as we would think of it today is probably Jaws, but like I would agree like it took a while to kind of take off and become the thing. You know what I mean? Or uh, Did I, Jaws come out before or after Star Wars? Uh Jaws was 77, Star Wars was uh, or no, Jaws was 75, Star Wars was 77. That it must have been Jaws. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Jaws was like a big summer summer movie, and it was like it was the thing that summer. It was the thing everybody was talking about. It got nominated for Best Picture, which is yeah. wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then Star Wars became a thing, but like Star Wars took its time to catch on, 
because yeah. like a lot of people didn't believe in Star Wars even after it was already made. Like it was hard for it, it was hard to get it, it out the door, and then really high concept. <laughs> yeah, um, and then once you know, word, word of mouth for Star Wars was everything, and it would certainly certainly become like the the modern blockbuster. The thing. Yeah, um, that that was they kind of like pointed the eighties in the right direction, and then yeah. the eighties is almost like its own thing like the the, the oh, music yeah. and the movies and the 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 fashion it's like it's i didn't like, appreciate it for what it was when i was growing up really but like you know going to school for you know film and, and learning more about it and knowing what i know now like they're so good i mean you've got back to the future you've got Terminator. Back to the future. Some some may say is a perfect movie. <laughs> some some do say. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like you've just got so much in the era, and it's so rich. Of Aliens culture. Yes, yes. Uh, Indiana Jones. Oh my god. Uh, and also re relevant to this conversation, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the rise of the slasher movie. Yes. So the so I mean the seventies, yes, but the eighties, you know, went all in on it. For yeah, sure. again, this, uh, you know, some of the seeds for these things happened a little bit earlier, but they really became like the the they grew into into the pop culture zeitgeist the way we know them, mm -hmm. like in the in um, the eighties. I feel like that's one of the things that Stranger Things does so well is that even if you don't pick up on it, there are a lot of those zeitgeisty kind of things that do predate the series that come up every once in a while. And it, it, it just reminds you that all of these references are embedded in that culture, you know, absolutely. You know, and I, um, I'm totally the guy I'm sitting next to my wife while watching the show. We both love it, but I'll be like, uh, D Dustin has a jaws poster on his wall. You know, so like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like pointing out all the things. Um, yeah, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons became really popular in the '80s, or so I hear. I I played a lot. So I hear. I've never played, so this is that's your side of the conversation, buddy. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, it's a it's a lot easy. It's a lot simpler now, and that I I tried like old school D and D once. It's too much math. This is like oh, that's my it, that is my kryptonite. Yeah. Math. Um, <laughs> don't ever ask me to do math. I, I, I want to fight cool monsters. I don't want to do math. Um, right. Anyway, yeah. So tell, uh, what did you what did you think of Stranger Things when it first came out? Like, we're well, actually, I didn't get on the Stranger Things train until season two. Okay, I think so. I binged seasons one and two all at once. Okay, and how and did that <laughs> work for you? It worked really well, actually, because I had been hearing and hearing and hearing about Stranger Things, and I was just like, I doesn't look like it's for me. <laughs> And I just never got into it. I mean, I was also trying to like finish college. So, Fair. you know, there was that. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just never got around to it. And then a couple years later, I think like right before season three came out, I was like, let me watch this. I think season three looked really good to me in the trailer. So I was like, yeah. Season three is pretty like, good. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it was interesting, like, uh, they, I think they expected people to like it. I don't think Netflix, Netflix or the Duffer Brothers intended or expected it to take off the way it did. Like that, the first yeah. season, like that could have been it, and it would have been like a great miniseries. Like it's because it, yeah. the first season wraps wraps up really cleanly. They beat the monster. Uh, at eleven, kind of disappears, 
But, you know, they, yeah. they rescue Will from the Upside Down. They beat the monster. Everything seems okay. A um, very contained story. Yeah. And the, the other seasons, I would say, are are more, more open-ended toward the end than the first season was. But, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. like, the Stranger Things, it it was the biggest thing on TV for a while, and it might be the biggest thing again. Like, certainly the mer- the merchandising... Was like, right I, now, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. We'll, we'll get to season four in more detail, but like I was really trying to get a Hellfire shirt before, before we did this oh, podcast. Oh, I'm sure. It didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially after that finale. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I think it's definitely um, one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing right now. We're, we live in such a weird world now, especially like having you know all the streaming that we all did during COVID. It seems yeah. like things come out one after the other now. But people have anticipated this season in a way like we haven't really before. I mean, I know that Disney Plus especially has been releasing episodes weekly, but I don't remember ever having this kind of break between episodes or like releasing right. part of it and first and then part is... of it. The the Netflix a lot of people like the Netflix model because you can just sit down and watch, you know, watch the show or whatever. Uh, and I, I, I'm probably said it on the show before the it's, that makes it kind of like a flash in the pan for the most mm-hmm. part, you know, and like, and Netflix pumps out so much content now that the, like the event series has kind of just faded away for the most mm-hmm. part. Like, but when, mm-hmm. when there's a new Marvel or Star Wars thing on Disney plus, like you're, you know, like they, they advertise it ahead of time. And it's like, it's an event when it's coming up, even though they release episodes weekly, the, yeah. the my in, in my opinion the counter to that method is if you're going to put everything out weekly and make us wait then every episode has to be good but it means yeah. that the show stays in the conversation for longer yeah if yeah. that makes it but like a bad episode can put can, can turn off a lot of people whereas if it's all just out and you can binge it you're like eh, that was just okay but you can still press you can still press play again and hope it gets better right <laughs> uh, right but yeah, there's so a lot the, of um go ahead you know communication and risk assessment going on with how they want to play out the right. story um, and, and netflix is weird that netflix doesn't like advertise that far ahead or whatever um and coming into season four i was like kind of a fr- i i like i knew we loved it but <laughs> i was like worried that would i be over it this time like i don't know I was afraid of that too yeah, because it took me a long time to get through the first couple of episodes, and then I was like, "Okay, play them one after the other." Uh, you know, you know what? It, the even though they start, were really good, go even no. though they were really good, yeah. I just I don't know what it was. I just had a really hard time getting through the through them until I it really started. Um, I actually uh, through April and May, I did a, a rewatch of the whole show. And it's just like oh. about the, the third or fourth episode in the season one. I'm like, all right, no, this is this is legitimately great television. And I had um, <laughs> I think I'd, I had seen the first season twice. I had not seen season. I, I'd only watched two and three once before um, okay. when they when they when they first aired or whatever. So it's yeah, leading in. I was really excited. And I remembered not liking season two very much. Uh, and then when I yeah. watched it again. Season two is great. It's just that one episode that has nothing to do with anything. The where where <laughs> Hell goes and meets all the superheroes. Oh yeah, that yeah. was. It's, yeah, it's that was like weird. it's not related to anything else that's going on, and it kind of soured me to the plot. But then like season three is incredible, and there's there's all like yeah. the weird, uh, 
you know, they, they really look into adolescence in season three and all the awkwardness and all the sexual tension and all, you know, like all the things. Yeah. Um, growing up is weird, man. Like that's what I was thinking too. I was like, oh god. I don't know that I've, that I've I'm all all the way there, but it's just like <laughs> reliving a lot of things that I I don't care to almost. <laughs> I just I kind of noted that you know I, I made a note before we started about this season really raising the stakes in every way, and exactly. I think that comes from also raising the awareness and the tension that these kids have grown up you know like these are the same kids that started in season one and I don't think we've seen that kind of um on screen growing up since I think like maybe Harry Potter and that was pretty impressive that was unprecedented at that time to watch kids grow up doing the same series when they started making Harry Potter like they were they thought that they were gonna use the kids for three years and get Recast yeah. everybody. Like then I I guess they eventually realized there aren't there wouldn't be enough actors in England, but <laughs> that was a um and they lucked out like almost the the way stranger yeah. things did. You know, like you can't you can cast an eleven year old who is a good eleven year old, but you don't know that they're gonna grow into a great performer. You know, right. they're just they're and you know, Harry Potter yeah. lucked out, uh Stranger Things really lucked out, and so did like uh Stephen King's It. Uh, they found a, a, a crop oh, of just yeah. incredible young actors who, uh, ironically, one of whom is Phil, Finn Wolfhard. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, probably, actually, probably not uh, ironically. That's probably the reason why. Mm-hmm. But um, they were like, yeah. Yeah. We you, want that. <laughs> you, you don't, you can't, when you cast a child, you can't know where they're going to go. You're like, it's, mm-hmm. it's easy to take a 40 year old actor who's been in 20 movies and say, all right, they're going to give me a great performance. Um, mm-hmm. you, there's no way you can know that about it, about a kid. Even if they give you one great season, they might get old. They might grow up and get awkward or who knows what, you know, they just, it's. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I don't think they could have really foreseen the way that Millie, Millie Bobby Brown kind of exploded on the scene and i mean it was warranted because she was she was great in the first season as like an 11 year old and she's been consistently good since then um you know i've seen her in one or two other things and i was i thought she was great um but i will note that these kids are all very gen z and that's the one thing that keeps me distant from them i'm just like i don't i don't get you're you're i don't get wrong like and they're (laughs) You know, they it's it, it, anyone who's who's younger than me is basically a child or like younger than than younger than my wife. Uh, no, 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 no offense to you, Katie, because you're you're a few years behind us. But it's like I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it, also the when when my wife turned thirty, she was like, "Okay, great, I can play a teenager on TV now." Um, and <laughs> what you know, one thing that t- television has always cast older actors as teenagers, and mm-hmm. it's like to be fair, like for a number of reasons, Stranger Things always takes a little bit longer to produce. And then the pandemic happened. So we're over a year later yeah. than they even intended for it to come out, et cetera. So the, yeah. the teenagers are no longer teenagers, but like, you know, <laughs> they were, they were cast very young and they have got, they've been very lucky because they have, they've all bloomed into very talented people. Like, um, uh, Sadie yeah. Sink really shines this season as uh, Max. Yeah. Um, That's what I said. I made a note and I said, Sadie Sink MVP carries the season. 
big, big time. I mean, <laughs> and she had a like she had a lot going on in season three too, like with with Billy. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so let's uh, move on to some just general general thoughts about season four, and then I'll pop the spoilers, and we can talk about whatever whatever you want. Let uh, okay. how did you now that we've seen both parts of it, uh, all all nine episodes of season four? What do you think? I loved it. I thought it was so well done. I thought it was uh, integrating uh, culture and references and story in such a way that made so much sense because they're really just working off of like archetypes from the very beginning with, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons themes and lore and all that. And so I feel like it's all coming together really cohesively, even though I'm wondering at how much of that was pre-planned by the creators of the show and what was just kind of, um, I don't want to use the word slapdash because it's not right, but slapdash together, you know, how much they had to kind of uh, use their own plans I, to create something cohesive. I want to say between like leading into season three, maybe um they said you know netflix renews us year by year so we don't we don't know how long we're going to go but we have like mm -hmm. we ha they they said we have five seasons of material you know and that was four years ago or whatever but before season three came out so that's and it okay. looks like we're going to get they're going to make their five seasons you know and i don't know how thickly that each each season going forward was plotted out at that point but they you know mm -hmm. they kind of knew where where they were going to end okay. up at least or where they wanted to go so that's if kind of a demarcation line. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes total sense. And I think that once they had that green light to kind of pre-plan a little bit, I think they've done it so well in the way that they integrated the storylines that they that they have in this season were just, they built them up well to carry the whole season through and didn't waste anything, which I thought was really, um, that's hard to do. So it is, and especially you know there this season the entirety of this season is like the third act of a movie uh and the yeah. reason i say that is because the whole thing for whatever 14 hours or whatever this these nine episodes are there are f like three or four planes of action happening at the same time the entire yes. time yes the, at, at, <laughs> at the end of season three everyone kind of went off on their separate ways you know like uh, Hopper disappeared. It turns out he was shipped to Russia, uh, which you found out in the trailer, so that's not a spoiler. Um, uh, and then Winona, uh, Winona Ryder, uh, Miss Byers and Will and Elle, they moved to, to California uh, mm -hmm. and the other kids were left in uh, Hawkins. Hawkins, um, yeah. And then early in this season, Elle kind of goes off and does her own thing for a while mm -hmm. with, with uh, Paul Reiser. So it's like the the entire time there are three to, or four groups of people all doing their own thing, and every episode like has building action for all of those storylines. Like, and yeah. that is a really impressive feat that it didn't become just tedium. Yeah, which I think maybe was why I had a hard time adjusting to that at the beginning of the season. But like I said, once it cut, once it took off. I I was in it and I understood. I think the point where I really got invested was early on with um, Max's plotline. And so once that kind of 
started to gear up, I was invested. Um, because Sadie Sink is the MVP. <laughs> you're not. You're, you're not wrong at all. And I, I gotta say, we. I. I love this. This season too. It's very like, by far the most mature and like complex. Yeah. But it, you know, it's growing up with its with its cast, uh, in really smart ways. And it's like, Stranger Things is really about like stolen childhood. Uh, mm -hmm. or or lost childhood you know in the case of l it was taken from her but also you know it's the the other kids are having to grow up much faster than they should than they should have to um and it's, well i mean they even comment on that in the um in something that steve says i mean i won't it's i'm not really spoiling anything but he does mention in a kind of a throwaway line that he has a kid experience with that lot <laughs> like he's always like hurting around and i thought that was such a kind of like nod to that kind of situation where even though the stakes are rising and everything's getting more mature these kids have been forced to grow up and then there's their older siblings and older friends are the ones who are taking on those quasi somewhat parental roles in some ways Absolutely, like Steve and so, Nancy, yeah. and then uh, Eddie to a degree. The new character Eddie Munson, yeah, who and even awesome. Robin, yeah, uh, my yeah. Maya Hawk, uh, who was stupendous in the last season and is even better now. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So on that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the spoiler button. Um, Let's go for it. There's so much. I, there's so much to talk about. You know, Eddie, Eddie, man, I ugh. That's and the okay. So, first of all, they 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 were kind of telling you something bad was going to happen to Eddie early on. Like, for the, the the new characters on these shows, they don't they don't tend to last. Uh, particularly right. this, well, you know, they added uh, Bob in season two. Uh, the Sean mm -hmm. Aston, um, so sad. Yeah, who he he, he was gored by a by a demogorgon, and then. Um, season two they also introduced mac max's family and her older brother billy uh and billy becomes like a, a major antagonist in season three and then he yeah. he he yeah he gets torn to bits um uh and then eddie who's like the uh we mentioned the hellfire club um he's uh he's in charge of this this new D, &D club that some of the guys have joined uh, particularly dustin um uh and eddie is awesome uh, and he's like, a, like definitely like it's got this cool older brother vibe. Um, and, Ed, you know, everybody thinks he's cool because he's a senior, but he's hanging out with the younger kids. And he's like, he plays guitar. He's also and, like a three times senior. <laughs> like yeah. He's not supposed to be there. <laughs> you're, uh, you're totally right. Um, the, the only thing I didn't like about Eddie was his hair. It seems like he, he needed to wash it. His hair. I loved it. I thought it was the most '80s thing about the whole thing. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he looks like he belongs in a like an '80s hair band. And, yes. and, and that's, it's absolutely intentional. Uh, that doesn't make it okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, 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 Eddie has uh, first of all, he he more more than one point during the season he talks about being a hero, uh, mm -hmm. and then. Right in the last episode, everybody is going off to do their thing. Uh, and Eddie says, Duh, don't, or, oh, God, what does he say? He's like, we don't, we're, what's it, what is it? 
we're 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 not heroes or we don't look like heroes or something like that and it's yeah him, yeah him and dustin go off to be the diversion and he plays master of puppets i was just like let's well, like here um are you do you like metallica I do, but I am not well versed. But I do know what you're talking about. You, oh, you're, you're one of those people who who thinks like Inner Sandman is what Metallica is. Um, <laughs> uh, sure, sure. I don't know. Um, I, I, I should assume, but um, no, yeah. So he he they climbs up on the roof of the thing and he starts fretting that guitar. It's like, dude, are they doing Master of Puppets? No way. Like, and it's uh, you know, it starts with the. Just the guitar, and I, I you know, I, yeah, there's no way he's yeah. playing. There's no way he's really the actor's really playing the riff. But uh, they, Metallica is the it attracts all the demo, the all the bat things, and then Eddie, <laughs> the demo they, bats, yeah, the demo. That's what they called them. Um, and then Eddie like runs off to try to protect Dustin, and then Eddie gets mm-hmm. gored by the demo bats, and it was very upsetting for me. Yeah, and Dustin's just stupid enough to go back. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. He went to go. That was like a classic 80s movie trope thing. It's like, dude, why'd you go back? <laughs> He's dying for you. Yeah, just just keep <laughs> running. <laughs> like, no, you deserve to die after that, Dustin. I'm sorry. I love Dustin, but come on, man. Come on. Anyway, yeah, uh, he was great. And speaking of the music, the music choices throughout the season are just spectacular kate bush i mean getting so you know what Our, yeah. do you think uh the kate bush song would have been featured so heavily had they released the whole season at once and not had like the not not had the big reveal in that one one episode with max um yeah like the, i think it would because the, when yeah. the trailer came out for part two i was like it was like, oh, they're they're mixing this with they're mixing the Kate Bush song with the music. Uh, they're running up that hill song. I was like, yeah, I'm inclined to think that this trailer got completely re- <laughs> reworked in between this uh, parts one and two. No, I think um, I don't think so because they they did use that song again in the finale, didn't they? No, yeah, the, the song comes point. up again in the finale. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know, they're they're thirty days apart, and that's not a lot of time, but it's. It's enough for it somebody would be enough to go like for them that. to do that. Yeah, but I feel like the way that they mix the song and how to integrate it with the score and just like the imagery and the way it wrapped up and the the, the beats that they were hitting, I felt like it was very intentional. Especially because there is that little mention of what's his name, basketball asshole, breaking her freaking cassette player. Yeah. So I feel like it, it was very intentional in that moment and. To answer your question, yeah, I think it still would have been impactful just because the pacing of that sequence and the buildup to it in that first half of the season is just so good. And Sadie I mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, it's just done so well that they knew exactly what what moments they wanted to hit and knew exactly how they wanted to manipulate the um, the pathos of the moment, you know? So I feel like that the Kate Bush musical selection would have hit hard no matter what, no matter what. It's just too, it's just too good, man. You're not wrong. <laughs> they just used it too well. Kate Bush, like she is... Uh generally does not license her music. You know, she's one of the few artists these days that still owns their own catalog. 
and her songs don't come up that often because she she keeps them very very close. So it's yeah. uh, you know she trusted the Duffer <laughs> Dude, brothers, and yeah, apparently it's yeah. done very well for her. Uh, you know, and it's it's been on it's been on everybody's Spotify playlist the last month and a half. <laughs> yeah, she's like I'm making bank. <laughs> Not only is she making bang from that, but I'm sure they paid her very handsomely to use it twice. And not only to just use it twice, but to mix it with their own uh, musical score. Absolutely. So, um, you know. So, well, let's roll it roll it back to the beginning. We keep, we're, we're talking about the ending a lot. Um, <laughs> about a week before this season came out, they released like the first eight minutes, I think. Uh, okay. Everything leading up to that big reveal with, uh, with Elle, who was digitally de-aged um yes <laughs> you know and it's they kind of made us think we uh l may have been responsible for the deaths of the other i don't want to call them experiments the other children excuse me the other children like 11 who have the yeah. superpowers i don't know what to call them either <laughs> I yeah like, mm. i it <laughs> seems like a like a mean word considering their circumstances um but uh yeah, we are. We're led to believe early on that Elle may have been keeping this secret this entire time, that she actually murdered all the other children, which is why we've never seen any of the other experiments. Mm -hmm. There I go again with the word experiments. Um, we've I never mean, seen any just, of the other it's, pa patience. It's patience is a good word. Patience, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know yeah so and then it kind of gets flipped on its head surprisingly it does um but we you know we they kind of let us sit with that for a while and l is going through teenager things right she's at a new school and everyone thinks she's weird and she's she doesn't have her powers right now because she got infected by the mind flare in the last season um mm -hmm. so she's just like th uh like threatening people and getting in fights and doesn't really know how to navigate life as a real teenager. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in, in her defense, life as a teenager kind of sucks. It really does suck. And I can only imagine that it would suck all the more if I had been, you know, kept as a patient in some research facility and then, you know, manipulated to uh, create an alternate dimension. That would be rough. Yeah. <laughs> Not a, not. A, <laughs> I don't feel like anybody could really recover from that. You know, and I I was like that that goofy nerdy kid, but luckily I got ignored. You know, like I was I never really got the bully thing, even though I probably mm. would have been uh, like the, the the perfect target. Um. But yeah, so at L has a has a rough go of it the first uh, first few episodes here, and then she gets uh gets in a big fight at the roller rink, um, and then that kind of. Yeah. Gets gets her a lot of negative attention, or whatever. And then our our good buddy Paul Reiser, who who I will ne who I will never learn to trust again after what he did to, to what he did to us in Aliens. Mm. Um, and then you know I, I posted something like that on on uh, social media, and they're like, "Yeah, but what about every other movie Paul Reiser's in, other than Aliens?" <laughs> <laughs> but what about everything else? But you know what? It it it's iconic. It really is. And he uh, he uh, he calls her kiddo a lot. Um, have yeah. you ever seen the movie The Diner? No. Oh, it was a movie with Paul Reiser, and they spend a great deal of time in a diner. Um, and I oh, couldn't, really? yeah, I couldn't <laughs> like not 
point out the fact that he has this like heart to heart with Eleven in the diner. I was like, all right, you're, 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 you're aiming this directly at me. Who knows? And they're probably not even. They're aiming it at people who are actually alive in the 80s. Though. Yeah, They probably are, though, because they've kind of added little things like that in throughout. You know, like I felt like, I mean, one of them for sure. Well, but what I'm no, what I'm saying <laughs> is that they've added in like little homages to their actors throughout the season, like um, Winona Ryder and Alien with those like test subject demo dog things and the Russian prison. And I thought this may I might be reaching here, but um, at one point in the season. Hop and um, oh my god, why can't I remember Winona Ryder's name? Um, in the series, she's just Winona Ryder, Miss, yeah, Miss Byers. I mean, that's what you know, like, is, yeah, whatever but, I refer to the her? characters because I've known them since I was six. Like, it's all like it's Winona Ryder or Paul Reiser or Matthew Modine, right. like, it's never the characters' names. Like, I don't even right. is it Brenner? Like, she, Does Matthew Modine play Brenner? Is that his name? Yeah, I think so. Oh my god, but what is like Winona Ryder's character's name? They say it all the time, and all I can see is Winona Ryder. I need to know. Winona Ryder. Her her last name is Byers. Byers, I know that. Joyce. Joyce. I'm looking at the wiki. I was trying to look it up. Joyce, yes. So there's at one point when they're in Russia, when Joyce and Hop are both in um, those like red, white, and blue jackets. And I was just like, how could I not equate this to Marvel and the whole like Captain America rivalry thing that his character had and the Black Widow and he was in a Russian prison. Like, you know, like that was just a coincidence, the whole Russian prison prisons thing. But I was just like, it is and it isn't. You know, they're very skilled. And if they didn't want to put a red, white and blue jacket on them and have us not think about Marvel, they shouldn't have done it. So I'm going to consider it a little, a little Easter. (laughs) I hear you. No, you know, and the, the, the Russia thing, it's, it's a, it's a cold, it's cold war nonsense. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, they're they're just very at this point, they're making fun of the 80s as opposed to being like, all nostalgic <laughs> about them like they were in the early seasons. Yeah, yeah. Some of it definitely, definitely. Um yeah, but one of those um I've always wanted more, to go like, to the Soviet Union with Murray. Right? With Murray. Oh my god, they really do though. And I just love the way that they do end up making what's his name that was on Game of Thrones friends with hop in the prison yeah the, the, <laughs> the guy who's name the, the faceless dude i know who you're talking about um, yeah i was just, i literally i just if i don't know their name i'm just like that's the guy from <laughs> so i was just like game of thrones guy in the russian prison um am i the only one that thought his russian accent was like just okay <laughs> he I almost had this know, <laughs> I want to say he's like Eastern European somewhere, but I'm not going to find him. He is from somewhere. I think he yeah. might be. Because he had maybe not Eastern. Game of Thrones too. Yeah. But I was like, I just don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't have a year for Russian, so I, I'll reserve my comments. But um, <laughs> I just love the fact that they ended up with a friendship between the Russians and the Americans. <laughs> and 
an 80s era drama. <laughs> like, like, you're definitely right. In some ways, they are definitely making fun of the 80s and some of that ridiculousness going on. Whereas before, it was just kind of like, of course, we're going to team them against the Russians. Because <laughs> that's what the 80s are about. And now they're just like, all right, hold on. But... I will say that all those Russia sequences definitely was giving me Red Dawn energy, like oh, original yeah. but it's Red Dawn energy. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, they just, it's stuff like that. And they just keep giving uh, dialogue, but also visual references all throughout the season that just play so well. And they're so much a part of like our entertainment zeitgeist now that I feel like some of them are tropey, you know, I mean, they don't feel tropey here because they are used in such archetypal ways. And I think that's just really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, know if that'll really work. It's really cool. On the de- yes. production designers. Part. Yeah. It's very just... smart. Um, and I just, I wrote down a note, I just, the parallels between, um, Vecna or one or Henry. Henry. Henry slash Vecna slash one. Yeah. First of all, what a great reveal. I was not, I personally was not expecting Jamie Campbell Bowers. We, we figured it out like the episode before. We were like, all right, it was him that killed all the kids. We did not, we did not connect that he would be Vecna. You know, right. Like, yeah. So it's, yeah. All of it together, I was like, and and keep in mind, I didn't stop uh, when, like, the first part of the season was done, and then had to wait. I watched it all the way through. Okay. Um, with like breaks in between, I started, right. and it took me a while to get into it, and then I was like, all right, bam. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we watched the seven episodes Memorial Day weekend, and then yeah, the actually the my my wife was out of town for the Fourth of July. Uh, or, or actually we were both out of town. She was out of town before that. And then I, anyway, long, long story short. Um, so we didn't watch it until, uh, we got home on Monday and we just sat down for four hours and just like, burned through it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I kind of, um, I got it all at once kind of like that. Okay. So it was just exciting for me to watch it unfold and not have to like really wait for anything, you know, but I just thought it's such a contrast between the two depictions of the character that Jamie Campbell Bauer plays. They could have so easily just gotten another actor to play. Absolutely. Vecna. But they use Jamie Campbell Bauer in the two roles and it works so well. I was a little apprehensive because I like saw a little bit of a spoiler and I try not to read too much into it. And I was like, the same character um and i I was like oh it is the same character but then i was surprised that it was the same action and then once i knew i could kind of see it but i was like it's such a good job and i feel like jimmy campbell voice is it Mm -hmm. did did he contribute to the voice at all because the there it's definitely under like quite a bit of processing but it uh, is but um jamie campbell bauer is english Yes. So it's he's, he's he, in Harry um, Potter and several. Uh, he's a, he was in Sweeney Todd. Yeah, but I feel like he's been really waiting for like a really good role to come along. You know, they tried him in the. Um, they adapted a, a book series I had read a while ago. Now, um, 
it was called City of Bones, was the first book. And he was in that okay. movie. I have heard of it. It flopped so hard. <laughs> flopped yeah. so hard. And then um, they ended up making a TV show that really didn't do that well about it, too. Uh, but he wasn't in that. They completely scrapped that whole thing. And so I felt kind of bad for that. And so I was to see him do this role and have it be really popular and done so, so, so well. I was like, good for him. But the fact that he delivers two really compelling, very different performances is, I don't know, I've said it before, but it's like a pat on the back to this whole production team and the whole cast because they've taken this concept that took the world by storm in season one and made it into something really artistic. Absolutely. You know, and that is a particularly on on the Vecna side, like that is a thing that could very, very easily go very wrong. Like, you know, if you you have to get you know, it has to, you have to get the look right, but it's not just the look, it's the, the mannerisms and like how you move and you have mm-hmm. to get a voice that there's like, it sounds unique, but scary, but not tropey, you know, and that's, yeah. what, that's, we, uh, I really enjoyed, ago, we, uh, you, oh, you're, I, you weren't on the Obi-Wan one where you like, we were talking about <laughs> Darth Vader, <laughs> right. And, you know, and Darth Vader is, he has a, uh, First of all, a really unique silhouette. Before you even look at what he looks yeah. like, just the the shape of Darth Vader, you can see his shadow, and you know mm-hmm. it's Darth Vader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also you know like it has a he's a he moves in a certain way, and he you know James Earl Jones gives a really a, a really unique voice, and it's like not only is it low in timbre and in te- like, and it's really intense, but it's also like Darth Vader always sounds very calm and very even, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's all those things together that make this entity that we know as Darth Vader. And if any one of yeah. them doesn't work, Darth Vader doesn't work. And it's yeah. the same with, with Vecna, you know, like, okay, if you watch uh, some behind the scenes with, with Darth Vader and then, the like the voice that they have that they were they were recording on set because you know the, it's voiceover it's added after the fact the the mm-hmm. voice of the actor he's this like old like snarky British chap um you know and this he's a it just it doesn't work you know what I mean so like the the, Darth, it, the character immediately becomes like this comical thing um and you could even say yeah. the same thing about uh let's say Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. um who by the way Robert England is in this series is in this season and is terrifying um he's uh he plays Victor Creel who's act who's Henry's father um but the in the first nightmare on elm street it's the same thing uh first of all you know they they light him in a certain way so it's hard to it's it's hard to see him he's always in the shadow but you know he's got he's got this terrifying look and this like really intense uh unique mannerism and this really unique voice that is nothing like how the actor talks. And again, it's just this perfect storm of all the things. Um, mm-hmm. But in some of those later movies, even with some of the, even when some of the elements are consistent, it doesn't work. And it's, you know, yeah. there are decisions yeah, yeah, that yeah. lead to that. So the, my, my point is if, if you don't, you have to know how, 
you have to know what the target is and know how all the pieces are going to fit together to get there because yeah. we've seen both sides of it with Freddy Krueger, who's the same thing. He's an actor in makeup and he talks funny uh, and mm. he moves in a certain way. And it's if it when it doesn't work, it's comical. But when it works, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, they there's so much potential for season five to push this Vecna Henry one villain into the stratosphere. Absolutely. And I become totally something as iconic. Eventually, it takes time for icons to be icons. But, you know, I think there's that potential. And I just props to Jamie Campbell Bauer. That one, that's a lot of makeup Two, the voices that he had to choose and refine for each character are a big part, I think, of what you were saying of one, establishing Vecna as a, a baddie, right? <laughs> but also to kind of um, deter away from that assumption with the character of uh, he's a nobody, really, for a long time. Oh, Just yeah. like the nurse, you know, with somebody like that. Uh, so props. But also, I love that we started talking about Vecna and then you brought up Darth Vader, because literally I have my my Vecna as Michael Myers note with an arrow going, but 11 as Luke Skywalker. So I feel like Vecna really is the Vader to uh, to 11 Skywalker. I mean, and it's I've been looking stuff up and it's the um, Empire Strikes Back parallels between Luke and 11 in this season are. One, purposeful, according to the Duffer Brothers. And Almost two, certainly. It's, they came out in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they did say, they were like, yeah, we took a lot of Empire Strikes Back for this. And then when you compare it, it's so there. It's just there. And I, I it's, it's like I'm, you know, like I'm saying, like, you know, I remember when I was in high school and I had an English teacher who made us... um analyze Empire Strikes Back for like archetypes of literature <laughs> and, and those different a, things. It's a hard one to do because it's the, it, you know, like the, it's really the, the second act of a thing and everything, everyone loses. So it's, yeah. a, you know, it's probably like, it's, it's much harder to quantify Empire Strikes Back in that way than it would be to do like a new hope, for example. I'm sorry, go, go on. But yeah, right. like it's, it's, well, you know, anyway, uh, just in general and so i i don't know but you know the way that the original star wars movies uses traditional archetypes to play off of and then that was so brand new in that era and the fact that the visual and storyline archetypes are still at play from those influences and those influences before them i just love this this uh tracking and recycling and homage to different archetypes and tropes that are used well. Yeah. In the from series. a place of respect and, you know, then they're, they're using them in their own, what knowing that it's a thing we'll recognize uh, the Duffer brothers are very good at taking this thing that we know and using it in a way that respects where it comes from, but also uses it in a new way. That's interesting. Yeah. That, you know, that's it's not exactly the same, but it's not so different that we can't tell what it is. It's just, it's like Str Stranger Things, it pulls from so much, but it's like, it weaves it all together in its own very cool, very unique way. 
And I feel like if we were, this could easily be a show that was made in the 80s and you could watch it and you could keep up. You know? And I think that's some of the, um, the cleverness and why it works as well as it does, because they really don't let, for the most part, a lot of other influences come into that. And so it just works. I mean, you know, it feels like if I was around in the eighties and was of the age to, you know, go to a star Wars screening and then I could go home and turn on stranger things for that weekly episode, I would just be like, Oh yeah, that was from that star Wars movie from three years ago. We're like, well, I was watching the boys the other day and it's just like, all of this feels so timely, like literally right now. And I know this was written and filmed a year ago, but somehow it just lines up with today. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and that could like, I would, it'd be weird to be in a room where, in a, in, a, in a world where Stranger Things does that, but it's also unfortunately very weird to be in a world where The Boys does that. So that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I will say though, I think, uh, I wouldn't say Stranger Things exclusively stays away from that because, you know, we have a whole, uh, like episode long arc for which character is it? Oh my god! I have the cast list. One... Who's the actor? I don't even remember. Oh my god! I'm blinking so hard. It's been a long day for both uh, of us, people. Will, Will Myers. Will Myers. Yeah. <laughs> they have that whole episode long arc with Will, where he's like, they're hinting, and they've hinted before, but it's almost explicit that they're hinting that he's not straight. Right. And I feel like that's a very modern kind of storyline to include in such a tender, heartfelt, respectful way. But I just feel like it in in the time that this takes place, like people like, you know, uh, I I, I almost said people like that. And that would be terrible. But, um, you know, uh, LGBTQ folk existed, but the world was not nearly as welcoming of them as it is today, obviously. And so I think the way that they handle that content and the context of the show is as you were getting at, like spot on, but just the fact that they felt felt or feel like they need to comment on it or hype that up for the show itself is one of those things that I feel like kind of transcends that timelessness of the narrative of the show and i mean that's fine but because you know they do that few and far between and they choose their moments to do that to make comments on our current world um, and she, there was right she she finally yeah. gets to get uh to hang out with that girl she's crushing on right at the end here yeah yeah but also the other thing and i was trying to think of this as i was going through i was like what was the other thing that reminded me of like current social commentary and it was all the stuff surrounding the basketball team this season from the guns to the mobs to the you know racist jocks yeah like that whole thing i was just like all right i know who they're trying to comment about (laughs) i was like i think we all know who um you know they're trying to target with uh I don't mean to sound insensitive, but gunslinging white boys. You know what I mean? You're you're not insensitive on my show. You're fine. Um, (laughs) And it's they're 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 obviously you know they're they're using their platform to make a statement. You know they've yeah, but 
that's fine. There are a lot of lot of things in the world in the eighties and things in the world today <laughs> that are all terrible and should should be addressed. Yeah, yeah the, but I feel media. like the the addressing of it in uh just and just the way that they bring it in. Um and it's not a bad thing, but it's just those things that do transcend right. the uh suspension it's, of disbelief. It's not which is fine. Well, it, it's, it's not just, overbearing. You know, and that's yeah. and I think that's uh you know, Stranger Things is very good at striking a tone um, yeah. or this weaving a variety of tones together that somehow really work. Like, the, yeah. for example, when we talked about Mad God, like we were, we mentioned this like dark levity that would come up sometimes, but it's like yeah. this season of Stranger Things a couple of times really punched the humor up quite a bit. Like, like mm-hmm. almost with sight gags and stuff like the moment where murray just breaks out the karate and beats up a bunch of russians um and then like <laughs> at the end he's just screaming and blasting with the flamethrower it's like yeah, murray's the man yeah murray murray's a badass and, and i can't even like just the the whole concept that that murray and joyce are on a plane going to russia to rescue uh hopper it's just like the whole thing is absurd but it's it's somehow just delightful like the way that it's written in here so it just i feel like that had to be like something that came out of a hat in the writer's room it's like so how do we do this we take murray and joyce and we put them on a blank a noun a plane to (laughs) blank and then they go to blank you know (laughs) and i feel like it was just one of those like comedy of errors kind of um uh, situations or like you you would get that in improv and then like right. see what you could do with it yeah joyce on the plane yeah for sure that's one of them um but they divide up the characters so well in the show and i was really afraid that we were gonna lose some of that ensemble uh characterization that comes in but I, they I, I handled that thought too you know especially like remember uh earlier i was saying that happens so early you know yeah. like the the characters are all off on their own doing their own thing or each little group of characters um very early on like from the jump really and that could be very tiresome mm-hmm. um if it if it goes on for too long or isn't handled delicately but somehow mm-hmm. they get nine episodes out of it uh, and the mm-hmm. the characters, you know, like some not of the only is it merge and then they split off again and they go this and that. But like, every, not everyone is all back together until the the end of the finale, the like end. after yeah. everything is resolved, and then we just get that re- really nice return to normalcy where everyone's back in Hawkins. But yeah, for nine episodes, it's 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 <laughs> not nine episodes of the third act of a movie. Like it's it's. It's and not to mention that these episodes are long and the yeah. finale is two and a half hours. Yeah. That is longer than most feature most length movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was I was just like, how how are they gonna I mean, keep it up? Keep this up. That's you know. Yeah. Also, how did they keep those threads going and keep it moving when every episode is at least an hour long? You know? I just wow! I cannot begin to fathom the length of their shoot for this entire season. It had to be six months. I don't even know. You know they film in Atlanta, right? Or like really all over the Georgia? But yeah. Um, well, they had to be in California for some of it for um, the buyers being out in the desert 
and stuff right. like that. That's right. I mean, that's total California. Um, so I feel like they're not only expanding. Oh, and to have like that that government facility in the desert too. But all of that was on the, the interior on stage in Atlanta, definitely, and most of it in Atlanta. But yeah, I mean, I just the length of that shoot and to not and to have to keep up all the COVID stuff in between all that. Just you know, logistically, what a headache! Having oh, having been on set, you know, and I don't. That's not what I do most of the time. We do uh, rear projection for mm -hmm. a. Uh, I'm not going to say what show because I'm on a podcast and I don't know if I'm supposed to say what show it is. But I do, <laughs> we do rear projection, and it's at a a, a studio complex in Atlanta. Uh, you know, and we do everything on the soundstage. Um, and when on days that they need us, it's always me or my coworker or both of us, depending on complexity and what exactly is going on. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe one day an episode, if that often they go several, several episodes before they give us a call. Um, mm. But, you know, the COVID procedure is very intense and you like you have to have two, two negative tests every 72 hours. So it's like oh really your Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you have to get a COVID test and we don't do that outside of when we're doing the movies or doing mm -hmm. the TV. So, you know, it's like, okay, so dynasty needs us next Thursday or this other show needs us next Thursday or something. I just said the name of the show and I'm just going to let it go. That's okay. Um, it's, it's, one of a few, it's one of a few that we do, but yeah. So that means that we have to, we then have to get into testing cadence and we have to go to this other site uh, and get, covid tests constantly and they're very strict about yeah. wearing your mask and like there's this yeah there when we go to have lunch like the tables are really spaced far apart and it's, it's to Crazy. do that day in day out would just be like really grating it's on the patients physically and mentally exhausting you know and i mean kudos <laughs> i mean it's just insane and in in the case of stranger things to be able to keep up a consistent story and over a long shoot like that and have it really work. I mean, they took their time with it and it paid off, even though I'm sure yeah, those yeah, time and constraints like, were also pressure. You know, uh, announcing ahead of time that your your nine episode season is like 16 hours of TV. Like people, people <laughs> could be asking why, and you know, that it is a... It's a risk, yeah. first of all, to do it because if you don't keep if you don't get it right, then people will just be bored. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, that they they pulled it off. And also, and you know, we got a trailer or like a teaser trailer. I want to say in like 2020. Yeah, it came I want out. To say? The last season three, I want to say, was like July fourth weekend, 2019. And then early 2020, we get the the just a few seconds of Hopper like scooping with a shovel in Soviet yeah. Russia. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was that was two and a half years ago. Yeah, yeah. But I remember that so vividly because I was just like, oh my God. It's like so good. It's so different from what they've seen before. And just to see Hopper in that environment. You know, it was just and uh, you know, from that trailer, I think we were all kind of hooked into it and so i always thought from that trailer that all right so they must be done with that shoot you know and uh so they're gonna leave russia pretty early on right no 
Spoiler alert, okay, they stay in Russia until the end of the finale. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I don't know how they, they got all that to work, but they did, and kudos. And I do really like that. Um, I'm looking at my notes here. I like that they were committed to changing that tone. And no matter what, you know, we've talked about them raising the stakes and growing up with the kids and things like that. But the series definitely turned more into horror. It's not exclusively horror, but there are definitely horror elements and horror homages. Absolutely. And my favorite one is just um, Nancy just pummeling Vecna. (laughs) With her gun and, and and he falls out the window, Michael Myers style, and then they come down the porch and then he's not there. Love it. I yeah, mean, it's like they look around just, and, he's, and he's gone. Yep. It's, it's like you know exactly what they're referencing. You you know it's there, but it's done in such a way that it just it's it, so it satisfying. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and just I don't know that whole sequence of like them trying to uh, get to Vecna and. Uh, Steve, Robin, and Nancy kind of going, going ham on that part. I was just like, I don't know. Like, I love Robin from you know ever since she showed up. What was it last season, season three? Yeah, she's season three at the ice cream shop. Love Robin, love it. I've kind of faltered on Nancy here and there, uh, you know. But um, Nancy, have we really forgiven just... her for Barb? She's just like inside it's getting it really off. And Barb died. No, it's not really her fault. Bar- Shit Barb, happens. Barb just wanted to get home, just wanted to go, home, and she just wanted to get laid, you know? So it, you know, that's how it goes. They were teenagers. <laughs> I mean, is it a shitty thing to do to a friend? Yes. Could it happen to anybody? Yes. <laughs> you know? All right, fair. And so I really feel like Nancy could not have foreseen the consequences of that. You know, it's just not, it's not her fault. She didn't watch enough slap movies. <laughs> Apparently, but you know what? That's in line with Nancy pre, pre, uh, season one finale, you know, uh, pre badass Nancy era. She really just kind of like, I don't know, takes hold of the whole group as much as she can right in this way because they're all kind of separated but with her little pocket she's like okay so what am i going to do about this and then she just kind of no fucks are given and she just goes for it you know she's just like ah i'll take care of it and i just loved it i loved the relationship that developed between nancy and robin this season i felt like they really capitalized on that because they had the max and 11 uh friendship to kind of fall on in the previous season right but we obviously don't get that this season and so for them to take nancy and robin who are two kind of like opposing forces and make them work well is one like good on the actors like obviously they get along but two uh very good um economy of story i felt like they used it well and I don't know. It's just there's something about the season that just feels so cohesive, especially towards the end. And I think because they use so many references and kind of like iconic imagery, they're able to really pull off something that's one familiar, but also new. 
I I agree totally. I mean, that's really how I would. I have described Stranger Things a very similar way in the past. Like, for, okay, it's for, familiar and yet unique. Uh, yeah. Um. It's uh, and it's there's really, a reason. There's a reason things are called archetypes because they resonate and they work and they've been cornerstones of storytelling for thousands of years. You know, absolutely. And so they're using them to their advantage in a really interesting, unique way that also integrates uh, cultural references and things like that. So I think that's why the series has continued to be so enthralling to so many people and why people hop on the bandwagon because they can, they can see it developing, you know? So uh, one more question to wrap us up. Do do you think Max is going to be okay? In the end, yeah. I feel like she's going to go through some really serious stuff. She I feel like Elle's going to go through some... I think, I, I think she's yeah. going to be blind, but I think there's going to be some other... There's going to be a twist related to her blindness. Well, she's the Han Solo of this story. Oh, so she'll come back at the like towards the beginning of the next season, and then there'll be something some kind of consequence of that that they're going to have to um, work with um, or some kind of discovery to work with from getting Max back. But um, I feel like she is the, the Han to Eleven's Luke. Huh. <laughs> and would that make who would, who would be Leia then? <laughs> Which one of them is Leia? <laughs> Finn Wolfhard? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> which is fine or, but um probably nancy nancy the leia maybe i don't know, I don't know. if we're talking about the she, parents, usually I don't know. she, she usually knows what's going on um, <laughs> but um yeah i feel like there's going to be some max will be fine but there's going to be something that they're going to need to deal with or learn from regarding her resurrection that's gonna be like, it's like the Remember, Will still uh, have her having spent so much time in the Upside Down. Will still has like weird intuition, and mm-hmm. he he knows when things are about to turn bad and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be some kind of result of that, or like some similar situation with Max, uh, mm-hmm. where she can, you know, she she she's yeah. going to be blind or something, but she'll have some kind of superpower. Or like, like think of Doctor Strange and have the third eye. <laughs> Excellent. Probably, probably, maybe not that, but <laughs> we'll it's see. maybe made it a metaphorical third eye. Yeah. Um, anyway, that. Thank you very much, Katie. Uh, Stranger Things Thanks, season Brandon. four is awesome. Uh, and if you're uh, if you're still listening, uh, be sure to uh, like and subscribe. Ring ring the bell down below. Uh, you can find actually Katie's over. Over here, uh, you can fi- find Katie at KatherineBurel.com. She uh, writes some stuff on a blog, and she's it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. There, there it is, right there. And uh, otherwise, uh, thanks for watching, everybody. We will be back very soon with an episode about Thor: Love and Thunder, which I am very excited <laughs> about. Uh, until then, uh, keep watching movies. Thanks, guys. <laughs>